0: Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare. A medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine, he is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange, Ministry of Healing and Deliverance. Now Dr. Luis Sandoval. All right, well welcome to the Dr. Sandoval Show here. You are listening to Virgin Most Powerful Radio and as always we welcome all of our listeners Thank you for joining us. We hope that we have... Uh, An exciting show today for you If any of you were listening last week uh, We spoke about forgiveness And how important forgiveness is What forgiveness does to the body physiologically And what really uh, Actually what holding on to grudges does to the body And how forgiveness liberates that Because this is also a biological uh, issue You know, we are spirit We are body And it all works together And so it's so important to look at that Today we thought we'd do a follow-up show to that Because how can we talk about forgiveness And not talk about the power of forgiveness in the sacrament of confession. That's really what it comes down to. I feel so lucky today. We are joined by Trish, who is the secretary here at the Catholic Resource Center. Trish, you want to say hi to all of our listeners?
1: Hi, my loves.
0: So any any of you who have uh, called in and spoken to, uh, to uh, Trish in the office, and you get to see uh, uh, Trish here live and see what she looks like, um, you know, and it's always great to have her join us because it's always wonderful to get a different perspective, you know, to get a perspective from somebody uh, in terms of when it comes to the sacrament of confession, and we hear the word confession and it's a big deal. You know, it sounds heavy, right? Also, I got to go to confession and everybody's like, oh, and it's never, you know, you're not going to bring this up at a party, right? You're not, <laughs> this, this is not a conversation. But one of the questions I would have is, you know, it's, it, it can feel like such a downer, but Trish, in your experience, is there anything that you find scary about confession or about hearing that you're going to go to confession?
1: Pretty much confessing.
0: <laughs> right? I mean, right? So, so, so it's an interesting <laughs> thing because we hear confession and we realize I'm not going to go tell somebody something nice, right? I'm looking down deep in my soul. I'm looking down deep and hopefully I've done a good uh, uh, act of, um, um, oh gosh. What, examination uh, examination of, conscience. of conscience. Thank you, Trish. That's what I'm looking for. So hopefully I've done a good examination of conscience and I'm going to go in there and I'm kind of bringing in the trash, right? It, it really confession, I'm taking out the trash. And so all of a sudden I hear I'm going to go to confession. And father's going to look at my trash. How does that make
1: you feel, Trish? (laughs) Ashamed, embarrassed, and all of the above, you know?
0: Right, you know? And it's (laughs) interesting because we go there and all of a sudden we think, I'm bringing out the trash people. I'm going to air my own dirty laundry here, right? And the priest is going to listen to this. And boy, now there's going to be consequences. There's going to be repercussions. What do you think about that?
1: Well, for me... um... I I invite the repercussions, I suppose, because you're thinking in the back of your mind, I've done all these things that I shouldn't have done, and I know there's going to be something to pay for it, um, but what? So for, for me, it's helpful to have that get out. Um, one of the things that I fear about going to confession um, that gives me a lot of anxiety is what if I'm not doing it right? What if I'm not contrite enough what if I'm not um, what if I forget something that's pretty major and then I have to wait until the next time around and why didn't it come out before you know you know what's what's my hang-up
0: Well, that can be kind of scary, you know, and we're going to talk about that a little bit down the road. I got a few stories to share with our listeners, um, about different elements of confession and really what's happening there. But I want you to, to remind me of that, uh, because that is an important part. What happens to us during confession? Is it as simple as me just going and talking to the priest or is there actually something happening there? Um, that's more supernatural. Is there anything keeping me from wanting to confess things that I know I should confess? Is there anything that's keeping me from going to confession to begin with, Mm -hmm. you know, and why is that? Um, we're going to, talk about that a little bit more uh down down the road but i want to stick to this topic of uh for now about you know it's scary to go talk to the priest it's scary to air the dirty laundry and you mentioned something trish very important you said you know what's the repercussion i'm waiting to get scolded i'm waiting to get yelled at right and so that can be kind of scary i think that one of the most important things that we can do as we're going to confession and we're waiting to get scolded we got to remember who we're truly confessing to Mm -hmm. what do you know about that trish i go to the priest but who am i really Confessing to,
1: well, we're we're confessing to God, to Jesus Christ. We're confessing to
0: Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. What I have to remember for myself is that when Jesus what's Jesus's attitude about us coming to confession I got to remember one that the priest is a human being just like I am he might have a good day he might have a bad day so one thing I got to remind my listeners is pray for your priest mm-hmm. before you go to confession mm-hmm. pray for the priest who's doing the confession that hopefully his heart is in a good place and that he doesn't bring his own issues into the confessional because I can tell you as a therapist as a psychiatrist that's something that we really look for we call that transference and counter-transference right so imagine if uh to give you an example imagine if uh, a priest all of a sudden had gotten into a car accident or something recently he got he'd just gotten rear-ended and then he sent in the confessional and he hears you come in and you say oh father i think i hit a car in the parking lot but i wasn't sure and i left i was too scared and that might trigger him to remember what he just went through, and he might just be upset. Right? We can't bring that into the confessional. I can't bring that into therapy if somebody's telling me about what's going on in their family. I can't all of a sudden, you know, say, "Oh my goodness, that reminds me exactly what's going on in my family." That's mm-hmm. called transference. It's not fair to the person because there are two totally separate issues, but yet they have commonalities, right? So, what do you think, Trish?
1: No, I I completely agree. So I think it's um our our biggest fear. Um, for me at least, fear of the unknown, it's fear of trusting. Yeah yeah, yeah. I, I still am such a control freak, you know. <laughs> have to You know I have to know what's going to happen. I have to know um, exactly what to expect. And if you don't you know if you, if you don't confess to someone you're familiar with, maybe, um, that could be easier for some people. For me, it's harder almost because I wanna feel comfortable and I wanna feel confident that I know what the reaction is gonna to be to a certain degree. Absolutely, you know? I mean,
0: that's a great point. I mean, one thing that I try to remind myself, and I'm not good at this, please don't think that I'm I'm an expert on going to confession or making good confession, because every confession is new and every confession I need to pre- prepare for. One thing I, I try to remind myself of is that if I'm confessing to Jesus, what's Jesus' attitude while we're going to confession? I try to remember that line, that beautiful line that Christ that said, Christ and he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Mm. As he's being crucified, mm-hmm. if Jesus at that moment is pleading to the Father and saying, you know, I know that they're hurting me, but I need you to forgive them because they know not what they do, I hope that that's the Christ I find when I go to the confessional. Um, I hope that I remember that. That's really the attitude Christ has towards me. Um, I do have a story about that if you don't mind me sharing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one time I went to a confession and I had done, I had been preparing for confession. I'll tell you how I prepared, but I had been preparing and I had really looked deep and boy, I was not feeling good about myself. Let's just put it that way. And I can hear exactly, exactly what you're saying where you're like, oh boy, what's the, I'm going to be raking <laughs> through the coals on this one, right? That's how I felt. It, I'm going
1: to be in the church for hours that, doing I, my penance. You know, I wasn't sure
0: <laughs> if the priest was going to say, hey, you know, when you're in a new roof, go start working on it. I didn't know what he was going to say. But um, what happened once I got there and I, and I, you know, did my confession. I spoke to the priest. I spoke from the heart when something funny happened because as I was speaking, I felt myself speaking, but I felt like this is where I would say I felt prompted by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was speaking and I was like, well, I'm saying the right things. And I mm-hmm. don't, this is not really me talking. I don't know exactly how, how this is coming out, but the right words are coming out. Okay. So I had prepared for this and I was waiting for that reaction. And I sat there, and I thought, oh, man. Now, I didn't know this priest, okay? I'll tell you. I usually don't go face-to-face because, and a lot of people say, oh, it's kind of because it's too scary. I don't want the priest to see me. No, because I want to picture Christ and not the priest that's in front mm. of me. So I like to be behind the screen because in my mind, I'm picturing that I'm talking to Christ, and I mm-hmm. don't want that to change. But I was waiting for the words from this priest, and I thought, oh, man. He's just, and you know what he said to me? All he said was, what a beautiful confession. No joke. And here i'm thinking i am disgusting okay that was my thought i was like i am disgusting before god and he says to me what a beautiful confession and you know what happened i started crying like a baby no joke i started crying like i was not expecting that i was expecting something to be like what are you doing do you not know better Mm -hmm. you know this is what's wrong with you um just get out of the confessional you Mm -hmm. know before you even come here and it was a hundred percent the opposite that was one of those moments where i thought That wasn't, it wasn't exactly, it was me being prompted by the Holy Spirit speaking because I felt like these words are coming out and they're positive words. Mm -hmm. And I think that in that moment, I could feel Christ there. I feel Mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit working through the priest. And when he spoke that way, I thought this is the way Christ Mm -hmm. is going to approach us. Mm -hmm. I think this is the way, this is where we don't have to be scared. This is where I'm going to come and I bring my dirty laundry to Christ And he's going to say, this is beautiful, because I think that what we forget is the confession is a moment of healing. It's a moment Mm -hmm. of fixing that, not a moment of judging that when we come before Christ. What are your thoughts?
1: Well, I I completely um, agree. I think um, there there have been moments while I'm confessing that I felt the same thing. I definitely feel like I'm moved by the Holy Spirit, and I feel that there's some kind of a conduit between myself and my confessor. you know, I'd I'd like to, maybe it's my frame of mind that I'm in or something like that. And I hate to admit this, okay, confessing again, but <laughs> I feel like a lot of times I go into confession and I find this probably more, you know, I, I've, as I've learned through coming to confession here, when we, when we do it here, where really? I, I work literally, um, a lot of it seems like a therapy session. And Mm. for me, it is a therapy session. It's really helpful. It's very cleansing. It's very liberating. And it's very, it just, um, I feel so unburdened when it's done. So, and then I can sit back and think, what was I waiting for? You know, why why was I afraid to do this? So, um, you know, it's that sort of moment, like why snap out of it? It's, It's not that bad.
0: I think that that's that's perfect because I think that the fear of going to confession, the fear of having to divulge our sins and to reveal ourselves— it kind of takes away from the fact that this is actually spiritually therapeutic. Mm-hmm. You know, we might not say it's a, it's a therapy session because the priest, you know, you'll hear a priest and they say, you know, I don't want to hear the whole story. Just tell me the sin, and they're right. You know, tell me the sin so I can just take care of it. Because the reality is, th- it's going to be therapeutic. It's not the priest that's doing the therapy. I've, you know, as I'm telling you through these experience, it's really Jesus. We've got to remember Jesus mm-hmm. working. Because when we get that penance, sometimes we think, oh, he only gave me three Hail Marys or three Our Fathers. But we got to remember how powerful our prayers, mm-hmm. what it is we're doing. We're still working on that. It, the, the confession is just but one moment of confession. There's got to be that preparation. And the spiritual therapy, The spir- it's spiritually therapeutic. We have to remember that. Mm-hmm. I think that this is a big deal in terms of how we prepare for confession as well. I got to tell you, when I went to that confession, the way I prepared was I did a novena to Our Lady of Sorrows. Mm. So when I read about Our Lady of Sorrows and I was reading about the devotions to Our Lady of Sorrows, I read one thing and it said that, if you are struggling or you're not sure what your sins are, or, you know, because sometimes we go to confession. I'm like, I don't know what, what my sins are or mm-hmm. what even to say. I haven't really done that. But if you do a novena to Our Lady of Sorrows, she suppo- Our Lady's going to help you to understand what your sins are. You know, I started preparing that way. And when I prepared that way, it was the most fruitful therapeutic confession, I think one of the most fruitful ones I've ever had. I think we got to remember that. we got to we got to look in and do that examination of conscience, but we can't forget to do prayer with that, to do our novenas, to do our rosaries, holy mm-hmm. hours. I think the Lord is going to reveal to us what we really need to say.
1: Mm, right, right, definitely.
0: Um, so that's one of the things that's important. I mean, it, I think that if we come with that attitude of, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. If I know that Christ is going to say that to me, then I think it's going to make it that much easier. I'm going to show up Christ is going to be nothing but love, and I think that this is what we've got to remember about uh, in terms of the sacrament of confession. It is healing.
1: As yeah, I think um, even to expand on some scripture that always just it. Every time I I pray, um, even during Mass, um, I'm reminded of the woman at the well. Yeah, and especially during confession, and I, it, Jesus knows what we've done. He knows. He wants us to admit it, get it out there so we can get rid of it, so we can lay it down at his feet. So I, I always thank Jesus for treating me like the woman at the well, for accepting me with all of my faults and circumstances and admonishing me to not sin no, anymore, to sin no more, but really loving me in spite of myself. And so and I try to have um, that thankfulness in my heart when I go in for confession or even just to go to mass. I always I always say a prayer of Thanksgiving for being that woman at the well who was so broken. And, you know, as a convert, you know, you can imagine I did not grow up. <laughs> I did not, not grow up with Definitely scripture in my heart or anything like that. So <laughs> You
0: know, um... but that's a big deal because one thing that we need to remember—you bring up an ex- exceptionally, exceptionally good point—and and this is really has to help our framework when we go to confession. The great point that you bring up is Jesus already knows your sins, mm. so if Jesus already knows the sins. Confession is not for Jesus if you think about it that way. God already knows what's going on. God is there. Really, He made the sacrament for us, and in, and just like you mentioned, like the lady at the well, the woman at the well, or we look at any of the of the gospel stories where Christ is confessing people's sins. It really is about us taking ownership Mm -hmm. you know and ownership of you know what i own this this is what i did i have no excuses other than this is what i did i'm not going to blame my neighbor i'm not going to blame anybody else yes there might have been circumstances but at the end of the day through my free will i chose to do this Mm -hmm. we can be very daunting we can look at it from a very negative way but we really have to look at this more from a catholic psychology kind of way if i'm owning that i did something and i did something wrong then there is also a flip side to that and the flip side is i also have strengths that i'm that means i'm not I'm not looking at my strengths to fix it. So I'm actually falling into my weaknesses instead of focusing on my strengths. And really that's what it comes down to. If I take ownership of what I've done wrong, it's not necessarily to put myself down. It's how can I fix it? It's kind of like mm-hmm. when you take a test in elementary school mm-hmm. and you get a grade back and you're like, oh man, I got five wrong. Is, are you going to focus on that you got them wrong? Are you going to go back and look at them and say, wait a minute, I could have done better. Let me learn from these mistakes. I think ultimately at the end of the day, that's where confession comes down. You know, mm-hmm. that's what it comes down to. It's like going, going to take ownership of where I'm at. Right. so that i can improve
1: changing the behavior
0: changing the behavior mm-hmm. it's all about just improving it's all mm-hmm. about getting better and getting closer to christ and i think that that's the beauty of it that's what we really need to look at um i have a few more confession stories uh, that i want to bring up you know i don't want to use them all up in the first hour in case there's anything else yeah. you had to say but let me look at another question that we had thought up of um before we get into those and then the other question was is there anything that you actually like about going to confession
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, just um, and I think I've already mentioned it in part. It's just the, the feeling of, you know, you're, you've unleashed all of this um, anxiety and all of this, um, this heaviness, this stuff that's, that's holding you down, that's binding you. And so when you're able to let go of that, it's so liberating and you feel so good and you feel free. And, and then you can focus on what you need to do. Really, before you confess, you're focusing on, oh God, I've done this and I said that and I should do this and I haven't done that and all of this stuff. And then you get it all out there and then you're absolved and you're given, you you're, hopefully you're, you're um, very contrite and you are focused on amending and fixing that thing that you broke. And then you feel you're free to do that now. Now you know what to do. Absolutely. You can get past it.
0: Absolutely. And that's just, that's just it. That's where we gain knowledge. That's where we really get that sense of, hey, this is, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm doing. And this is where I can improve. Now, are there any entities? Is there anything that's going to keep us from going to confession? For any of our listeners who were listening to our spiritual warfare conference, let me tell you, this is not just about me and Jesus. This is about somebody wants me to keep from getting close to Jesus Christ. We're gonna talk about more than, I know we're coming up on the break, but we're gonna talk about more about this on the break. I got a confession story on that one that I heard at a a spiritual warfare conference one time. Um, And we're gonna talk about how to prevent that and how we can overcome that and actually confess the sins that we need to confess and get everything out there. Okay, more when we come back from the break. All right. Well, welcome back to the clinic here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show, and and today we have a very special guest. We have Trish, who is our secretary here at the Catholic Resource Center, and we're talking about confession, and not just about the power of confession and what confession can do, but really practical issues in terms of, you know, what is it like for us to go to confession? Why do we go to confession? Are we doing it often enough? What is it that's happening? And so, um, last week if you tuned in, we talked about forgiveness and we talked about how important forgiveness was for our spiritual health and our physical health and our mental health. There's no way of getting around that. Um, you know, we're all three in one. Um, but really we're talking about if we're going to go look at forgiveness, when we're going to ask forgiveness for God, we got to get to the sacrament of confession. One of the things that I would say is this now, Trish, uh, you know, we don't have to get too personal here because everybody knows that they have to uh, go to confession, but what do you think a good frequency of going
1: to confession is? Oh, my gosh! you know if if I were Jesse Romero, I'd be saying every week, yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> sorry, Jess no, it's okay. um you know I for me, once a month is a struggle, and I know I need to do better on that. It's one of my resolutions <laughs> this year. Yeah. um I average about once a month I'm gonna try to maybe go for every two or three weeks um going to confession. I'm fortunate that I now um, have become a member of this this, uh, local parish here that uses the historic Sacred Heart Chapel right here on our grounds.
0: How often do they have confessions here?
1: Uh, Every week.
0: Every week, every Saturday, every Sunday? What what are the confessions?
1: Saturday and Sunday provided that um, the priest is here on Saturday as well.
0: Saturday and Sunday at what time?
1: So on Saturdays, he hears confessions uh, 30 minutes before Um, or earlier, if he's here earlier, but usually at 4.30 in the afternoon. So Saturdays
0: Mm -hmm. at 4.30, okay. Yeah,
1: before Vigil Mass. And And then then, um, Sunday's the same thing. There are two Masses um, Sunday mornings, so there's an 8 a.m. Mass. He'll hear confessions at 7.30. Okay. And then um, if there is time between the Masses, because sometimes they run a little long. Sure. Um, he'll he'll hear one or two confessions between the end of the 8 a.m. Mass and the beginning of the 9.30 Mass.
0: So there you go. To any of our listeners, especially anybody who's here local uh, in Covina near the Sacred Heart Chapel, um, you know, you got confessions Saturdays and Sundays in the morning, just like Trish was saying, 4.30 on Saturdays, uh, 7.30 before the 8 o'clock Mass on Sundays, and sometimes between the 8 o'clock and the, is it 9 o'clock Mass or 9.30 Mass? Uh, 9. Right after the 8 o'clock Mass. Uh, 10 a.m. Actually. So 10 a.m. Yeah, so in 10 between a. the 8 a.m. Mass and the, and the 10 o'clock Mass. You know, it's always a good reminder. It's always good to know where they are, too, because sometimes we just think, oh, I got to get to confession. But if I don't have somewhere concrete that I'm going to go, if I don't have a schedule, it's going to be a little bit more challenging mm-hmm, to get mm-hmm. motivated to go. You know, and it's a great question. How often do we go? It really depends on who you're listening to. Trish brings up a good point. Gosh, you know, I'd really like to go every month, but, you know, sometimes I go every two months, and, you know, that's okay. The real question is, where are you at in life and mm-hmm. what is it that you're hoping to get out of confession? Mm-hmm. Have you ever listened to to Father Ripperger, speak. Um, you know, he'll tell you. He'll say, you know, if you are uh, if you feel that you're being spiritually afflicted, you might go every week. You know, if you are starting a new spiritual journey, you might go every week. Uh, you might go every two weeks at the very least, if you feel that that's what what's important for you. It really depends on where you are in life and what you want to get out of it. I think one of the dangers of going too often to confession for some people, though, because we were talking about this confession, we want it to be a ritual. You know, there's we fall into that danger of it becoming a routine. Like, okay, I got to go to the store, and then I got to go to confession or, okay, then I got, you know, I'm going to go pick up my kids from school. I'm going to go do this for work. And then I got to go to confession and it just becomes part of our everyday mm-hmm. routine. Trace, is there anything you do where you, which helps you to keep it more of a ritual where you realize this is a sacrament, not just on my to-do list?
1: Um, yeah, I think, um, I take stock pretty much every week just because I do, um, I do a daily rosary, for example. Mm-hmm. And, even with that, the daily rosary. Some people do it three times a day, and I think that's amazing. I just I, I run out of time. I'm, I'm I'm busy with just stuff, and again, it's one of my hangups. I I'm always confessing I don't put God first mm-hmm. enough.
0: Yeah, and on that, a that, daily are, basis. So that, you know what's funny? I, I don't know how our listeners feel about this, but. I think sometimes it can actually be pretty scary to put God first. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes we think if I stop everything I know I'm supposed to do and I put God first, I'm going to miss something. Mm-hmm. I'm going to forget something. Mm-hmm. I'm going to mess something mess something up big time and then I'm not going to remember to pick up my kid from school or something. You know, it feels that way sometimes. Not obviously we're not I'm going to remember a lot of most of the stuff, but sometimes it feels like if we forget to put God first, something's going to fall by the wayside, which I think this is where that leap of faith comes in. I think mm-hmm. that if we actually make that effort and say, you know, you know what? If I forget something, I forget something, I'm gonna trust that God's gonna remind me mm-hmm. what it is I really need to do. And usually what I find when I do that, I can't say I'm perfect at doing that, but it's something great to work on as we keep making our our religion our ritual and not mm-hmm. just a routine. Um, what I usually find is when I'm able to do that, it can be a little bit scary, it's a little bit of a leap of faith, but then I feel more at peace. And when I do feel more at peace, then I can actually prioritize what it is that's important in my life, mm-hmm. I can actually make confession you know number one, and then everything else just kind of seems to take care of itself. Have you ever felt that at all?
1: um yeah, definitely um it's It's really funny that you you say when you trust that things are going to get done and they they fall into place and they do, you know it's like that aha moment yeah you know, know. especially as a mom, you know when you're a dad and you know mm-hmm. moms too. We are a total control freaks. We we have to get it done. We have to get it done. And I come from a background like my parents drilled this into us of you want something done right you're gonna do it yourself right no absolutely. So I have to do everything absolutely and you don't
0: <laughs> well the, the, the hard part with that is that you know as parents and this is this is very interesting for parents because um, as parents you know do we make time to go to confession I think that one of the great things that's gonna do is that's gonna be the example for our kids as well yeah. you know they see the family going to confession they see mom and dad going to confession it's not just me telling them oh confessions important they're actually seeing it happen and in fact if I drag them to confession this is what's important but you make a good point do I you know do I I let some things go by the wayside because obviously as parents, there are some things that if you don't do, they're not going to get done. Mm-hmm. You know, Kids aren't going to aren't going to do that for themselves. At what point, though, do we say oh, I got to let it go? Because if they don't do it, then it's on them and they're going to have to learn the hard way. Right. I mean, that can be kind of tough. But if we make confession a priority or religion a priority, I think the kids will follow. It's just really hard. <laughs> It's really hard to give that up because there's a,
1: hoping that well there's an incredible
0: <laughs> level of trust. But I think the difference is if I'm going to give and this is this is hard for me as a parent too. But if I'm going to give that level of trust, I'm not going to give that level of trust to my kids. I hate to say it. I'm going to give a level of trust to God. I'm going to give that level of trust that God is going to really work in my kids' lives mm. and help them to do that. It's easy to say, it's hard to do, you know. <laughs> and these are the kind of things that I guess I could go to confession for and say, you know, am I trusting in God enough? That's one of those things that. Do I trust in God enough that I'm going to put confession first? I don't know. What do you think?
1: Oh, yeah. I think um, trusting, that is probably my biggest hang up. And I go to confession and and confess this every time. I'm not (laughs) trusting God enough.
0: We're going to talk more about that when we come back from the break, because we do sometimes go to confession with the same sins. And why is that? This is going to be important when it comes to spiritual uh, warfare and deliverance. Okay. More when we come back from the break. Don't miss this. All right. Well, welcome back to the clinic here at the Dr. Sandoval Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. I want to remind all of our listeners that if you have any questions or any suggestions for shows or topics you want to hear, feel free to email me. My email is drdr.sandovalvmpr at gmail.com. That's drdr.sandovalvmpr at gmail.com. I've already gotten a few emails from some of our listeners. I really uh, enjoy reading those and helping you out with any advice I can. And again, if there's any topics you find interesting or you might want to talk about, let us know. Today we're talking about confession and why this is important as a follow-up to when we talk about forgiveness. We're going to get into the, the uh, sacrament of confession. We're going to go into the confessional. We're going to talk to the priest. And this can be something that's kind of scary. It can be something that we might want to put off. But at the end of the day, once we do it, boy, we're happy we did. It's kind of like when I tell my patients, you know, most people, you know, talk about wanting to go to the gym. They feel like they need to go to the gym, but I've never heard anybody say after they went to the gym, I wish I would not have done that. You know, I've never, unless somebody gets hurt or something, which I've never heard any stories like that. But for the most part, people say, I worked out. I wish I would have done more of that. You know, I think confession is kind of like that. It's that spiritual strengthening. We get stronger and stronger as we go. Now we talked, Trish brought something up very important before the break. And Trish, you were mentioning something about we go to confession and sometimes we just talk about the same sins, what's up with yeah. that
1: yeah, definitely that? for me I feel like I'm bringing up the same things over and over again like I can't get past saying it or doing this sin or, um i can't I can't bring myself to doing the things that I need to get done for whatever reason and I don't know what is stopping me besides mm-hmm. you know in, in one thing in particular I can think of it's like fear of repercussions or sure. whatever, sure. but um you know why do I keep repeating this like mm-hmm. What's wrong with me? Why can't I just shut my mouth off? (laughs) You know who you
0: you sound like? You sound like uh, uh, St. Paul.
1: Oh. (laughs) You know what I
0: mean? Uh, uh, You sound like uh, St. Paul where you said, you know, the things I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I'm supposed to do, or the things that I'm supposed to do, I don't do. And the things that I don't want to do, I end up doing. Right. Why is that? Why is it that that's happening to us? Um, Richard, if you could just check, I'm looking at the email you put on there, sorry to interrupt, but it's uh, at gmail.com. It just says dot com. But anyway, so back to our listeners. So why do we do that? Why do we repeat the same things over and over and over? Um, you got to remember this. And if you listen to any any talks on spiritual warfare, if you listen to any, um, uh, you know, discussions about confession and spiritual warfare, the same way that we have a guardian angel right on the on the positive side on the heavenly side we uh, and because they know our strengths and whatnot we have demons on the other side who know our weaknesses and they're going to keep prodding and poking mm-hmm. at those weaknesses i was listening to a talk uh by uh dr ripperger uh, you know father ripperger uh you know i know he's been on the show a lot and i think he's got such great information but he mentioned something he said that one of his friends told him that when they go to the confessional um they he uh he'll sit there and sometimes people don't come in, even though there's people in the church. And he said that he does something that's called fishing. And so what he says is he does a binding prayer so that if there's any spirits, any demons, anybody out there who's telling people not to go to confession or prevent people from going to confession, he will do a binding prayer for these spirits. And then he says that within the minute, someone will come in and, And, and inequivocally we'll say, you know, father, I wasn't going to come to confession, but, and I wasn't going to come, but, and there's all these, and you know, so if you're wondering, why do I always have the same sins? Why is it that it's hard for me to go to confession? Don't forget, there are forces that are preventing you from wanting to go. There's somebody telling you it's not that big a deal. Now, if the devil's telling you that something's not that big a deal, my guess is that the opposite's probably true. Mm -hmm. Probably true. (laughs) Do you ever, but you know, do you ever feel that way?
1: Because honestly, it feels
0: like a burden going to confession. And then like you said, I feel so light after. What do you think, Trish?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think um, every single time I go to confession, I come out going, "Why didn't I do that earlier?" Right. And then, you know, a lot of times, and I'll, you know, whine to my poor <laughs> father. I, can't, I know I said this last time. I know I, I just confessed this last time, and here I am doing it again. Why am I not getting past this? You know. And um, like I said, it, it becomes a therapy session because he has to fix my problems now. Right. But um,
0: <laughs> yeah. you know,
1: my um, another one of my hangups though with going to confession often is I'm I'm scrutinizing my motives. Like, um, is this if I if I do this so often, if it becomes a habit, um, is it not a good enough confession at that point? If I'm just going through the motions. What does that do to the the value of the confession?
0: Yeah, and it's like, why even go, right? After a while, it's like, why, you know? Yeah, I'm like,
1: just doing it to do go through it. the motions. So that that's kind of one of my fears for going maybe once a week. For me personally, I, I try to take stock of what I'm doing, what I'm saying, and I will call upon my guardian angel, okay, you're with me today. And I know you're there, so if I start doing something like, you know, in, in the ear or something, do something, and I'll stop myself. Now, I find myself stop, stopping myself from, from using bad language or um, yeah. swearing at that person who stopped fast in front of me in the car or whatever, yeah. you know. Um,
0: but you know what? That's a, that's a great point. So you make a great point because the, the, one of the dangers of going too often to confession is we don't want to get scrupulous. You know, we don't want to start thinking that everything we do is a sin and we don't want to feel like, oh, I got to get to confession because I looked at somebody the wrong way and that's it. You know, we got to remember that we got to take ownership. And I think that's really what we're doing. If we go every week and we're saying the same things, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? I think the beauty of what we got to remember about that is that you're struggling with it. And that's mm-hmm. a good sign. Mm-hmm. It's actually a good sign to struggle with something versus not, you know, this is still something that's there. It's still at the forefront. I'm acknowledging it. I think ultimately, you know, when we see this in therapy, when, when people come in all the time, they, I'm still dealing with this. I'm dealing with this. I'm like, I tell them, you know, you feel like like that's like you're doing bad. I see it as you're doing really good because it's still at the forefront, and you're still actually engaged in the struggle. Yeah, I you're think,
1: acknowledging. Well, yeah, yeah,
0: because I think one of the things that happens is you're acknowledging it, you're owning it, and you realize it's not good. You want to do something about it. You might not know what that is, but you're still in that struggle. You're frustrated by it. Mm-hmm. That's actually not a bad thing. I think the hard part is that when we're frustrated with something, if we look at what the other side wants us to do, if we look at what dark side wants us to do, they want us to they want to frustrate you on purpose mm-hmm. so that eventually you say, you know what? I'm over it. I just can't do this anymore. I'm mm-hmm. going to give up. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a story I heard and this, is this was, this is, if you wonder if this is a truly a spiritual battle and, and there's a battle for your soul here, I was at a deliverance conference one time and I, hate, I heard this great story that really brought it to life and made me realize, wow, this is for real. Like th- this is not a, not a joke. This is how powerful confession is. And of course, you're going to go to deliverance and they're going to tell you about confession. Really? It unbinds um, the chains, right? So we don't see these chains we're tied down We're brought down by our sins and confession. Really. It's a legal situation. I'm going to Christ and I'm legally telling him, this is what I accuse myself of. Mm. If you do that, once you accuse yourself of something, you own it. Nobody else can accuse you of it. It's done. It's out in the open. The demons can no longer accuse you of it. But if you don't own it, if you hide it, that's why they want you to hide it. They want to hold something against you. If I get in there and I say, you know what? I own it. This is what I did. This is what I'm accusing myself of. Okay. I'm guilty. Okay, let's work with that, right? Nobody else can can make fun of you for it. Nothing's hidden anymore. Well, one of the things that happened in one of the confessionals, um, there was a priest who was saying that he was listening to a confession. And as he was sitting there, he heard this man confessing, and the man was confessing some sins against impurity. And of course, if you have a mortal sin against impurity, you're going to confess him in number and kind. But he said that he noticed that this man was actually, as he was confessing, it wasn't exactly remorseful. It seemed like, and this can happen when there's social deviancy. I can tell you this is a psychiatry. It seemed like as he was confessing about it, as he was talking about it, he was kind of getting a little bit of joy from it. He was getting a little bit happier from it. So the priest said this is, he could tell something was off. The hairs on the back of his neck were standing up. He knew that this was not right. He said that he felt something really wrong and really evil because this man was confessing, but it was more kind of like a, a serial murder or something, finally telling about all his murders and telling you how he got away <coughs> with them in detail. So what does this priest do? He's, you know, He said it was behind the screen. He didn't see this man face to face. And he started just making the sign of the cross Cro- you know in kind of a deliverance fashion because he said something weird's going on here he didn't know what, but he just started making the sign of the cross from the other side of the screen and then he heard a voice and he heard a very dark, deep guttural voice that said and I'm not going to say exactly what the voice said, but the voice said, Don't mess with me, priest he said don't mess now he didn't use the word mess he used a, a much worse word than that that we you know the, but he said, don't mess with me, priest' As he's making the sign of the cross, because he knew something was going on there. That's where the battle is. What's going on there? Am I going to be able to let go of my sins and realize I got to have remorse for them, or is this something I'm holding on to? It's not. I'm not, and I'm not here judging our listeners and saying, "Oh, you're holding on to your sin or not." But this is really the story. Really elucidated for me that there is something going on there. There is a battle for mm-hmm. our soul. There is at that moment of confession something can I can either release myself from this hold or the other side knows that they've got a hold on me and they, and they don't want the priest to mess with them. They don't want that liberation because as soon as that man has remorse for those sins and does a contrite confession and gets absolved, that demon's got nowhere to go. He's gone. He's out of there. He's got no power over him. What do you think about that, Trish?
1: That's like an amazing, that's an amazing insight. Um, I, I've i wondered, you know, about such confessions and you you brought up like somebody who is um, a murderer confessing that horrible sin and what goes on in the Mm -hmm. confessional um and in you know the priest hopefully the priest is versed on spiritual warfare and can can protect himself as well as the the person confessing um i think to childhood trauma and things that as you're exam doing an examination of conscience and you start remembering you keep going back and back and back so that you can remember everything that you've done. Like my first confession was like pages <laughs> of <Sure>. stuff. <laughs> the poor priest is just sure. sitting there. He's like, is there anything else? And I was like, as a matter of fact.
0: <laughs> no, that's <number> so, one. <laughs>
1: that's two. Poor poor guy. It was a <laughs> fifteen minute confession. Uh, but um you know, you, you, you go back and you keep going back and you keep digging and you keep digging to try to clean out that fester. And maybe there's something there in your childhood. And you're like, well, am I, at what point am I um, confessing something that I am actually responsible for? And or, you know, where, where does where does a line get drawn? It's a great that, question. It's yeah. a great
0: question because am I confessing this and am I confessing in a way that um, I'm truly contrite for it am I confessing in a way that I can forgive myself if I do feel like I'm mm-hmm. giving you something am I confessing in a way that I can truly forgive the other person or am I confessing in a way that I'm talking about how much that person hurt me and I'm still holding on to something mm-hmm. you know, am I confessing somebody else's sins or not mm-hmm. I think that that's that's an interesting point to make because I see that in therapy a lot as well at what point do people's depressions or anxieties or things of that nature at what to, at what point are they carrying to the point where it's no longer healthy where i say you know after a while i don't even know that medication is going to help you at this point I think you got to take that step back and just let it go you know and that's not it's easy to say it's a lot harder to do but there's a way to think about that and we're going to talk a little bit more about that because i got one more story to share with you before we go on our last segment that's going to be coming up about how do we know who's talking to me in confession how do i make that decision and how am i going to be able to let go of things you know that's going to be really really important so more about that when we come back from the break All right, welcome back to the clinic here at uh, Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Sandoval Show. Today we have our special guest, Trish who is our Catholic Resource Center secretary here, who uh, is joining us for conversation on the topic of confession. What do we do in terms of how do we prepare? When do we go? What is really happening in confession? You know, we talked about forgiveness last week, but if we don't talk about confession, then we don't come full circle. Trish, we were talking a little bit at the break, and you you mentioned something very important to me, something that really is food for thought. And what was your question for me? Because this is an important question. I think a lot of our listeners are going to be intrigued by this.
1: Well, I think um, one of the the reasons why my first confession was so lengthy was because I didn't know where to stop. I didn't know, you know. He said, um, "Mention everything that you can think of. Search, search, and search." And so, how far back do you go? How far, how far back in years? How far back to your own childhood do you go? And how responsible are children that you would need to confess sins from? Before you were at an age of consent.
0: Well, that's a that's a great great point. So one of the things that we have to look at though is you mentioned that you're for, you, now you mentioned you were a convert, right? Yes. So how old, or not how old, pardon me, no age here, not how old. Um, But your first confession was you you were- uh, Seven
1: years
0: ago. So you were not in your teens, shall we say. You were not in your- (laughs) No, I was not. You were about 20, (laughs) you were about 20 years old at that point. So, okay, we'll go with that. We'll go with that. But let's say that somebody- (laughs) Every day. But but let's say that somebody, let's just give that example. Sorry, my microphone's turning here. Uh, Let's say that somebody does convert to the Catholic faith when they're about 20. Let's just use that age, because that's, that's a great age, and you're, you're, I know, I know, you're 21, but we'll leave it at that. So you're 20 years old, you convert to the Catholic faith, and you're going to do your first confession. Now you've got 20 years of life to look back on. Not really. It's not 20 years of life, because we always, we don't do first confessions until we're about seven years old, right? And so we say, that's the age of reason when you're seven years old. Um, and even then, you know, a priest is going to go to seven-year-old, I doubt he's going to hear a murder confession, you know? So I doubt that. But you ask a great question because really confession is personal. I can't tell somebody else what their sins are and nobody can tell me what my sins are because this is where we really look at our relationship with Jesus Christ is truly individual and personal. You know, when we die and we get to that last judgment and we get to the throne of God, there's not going to be anyone else around me. Jesus is going to look at me and say, I had a relationship with you. I don't know about anybody else, but you and I had a friendship. What's going on there? Where is it at? So I think that when we look at, you know, um, confession, how far back do we go to confess? What am I really guilty for? I think it's hard to say because a lot of times, I'll tell you what, you know, when it comes to psychiatry, when it comes to therapy, we look at, I do a lot of therapy for adults who are still getting over their childhoods mm-hmm. and they wonder how much of this is my fault. And you hear, you know, devastating stories of sexual abuse, emotional abuse, physical abuse. I deal a lot with people who have come from different countries and just the routes getting here, you know, what they had to go through and, and the abuse they had to go through as little kids separated from their parents because their parents were in the other country, or even within the other country. A lot of people have gone through guerrilla warfare. So many different things, so many devastations that they remember from their childhood. Now, I'm using extreme examples. To our listeners, I want to say sometimes, you know, it can feel in the exact same way and you might experience the exact same emotions, not being in a place that's war torn or anything like that. Because what if there's violence in the home? Mm-hmm. What if there's domestic violence? What if mom or dad were doing drugs? What if, you know, there's so many different scenarios. Neglect. I use extreme examples. Neglect? Sure. I mean, you, you, what if we were in situations where we felt like, you know what? yeah, I broke that vase. It was on accident, but boy, I really got it. I got the belt. Like, you know, I can't say exactly what anybody's individual situation is, but the point is how much of this do I confess? How much of it is my fault? You know, it gets really, really hazy because I can go confess about breaking a vase, but the reaction to it was so extreme. Mm -hmm. And this is where we have to be cautious about, you know, who do I blame for what? And if there was abuse, take that step back. And first of all, if anybody's experienced abuse, look at the abuser and be able to recognize that they are a frail human as well. Mm-hmm. They reacted in a mm-hmm. way in in a way that they could not control themselves and how sad for them. That's the first thing I look at is how sad for that person that they were not able to control themselves enough to recognize the situation because who knows what they were going through. This is how we affect each other. And I hope that for my children, I can be there. How much of this is a sin? Probably not a whole lot. You know, in childhood, I think you have to recognize if a child comes to me and tells me that they sinned in a certain way, it would really depend. I mean, it's very, very rare that a child truly has malice in their heart, that they really want to hurt somebody. And if they do, if I, if you ever meet a child who's, who has that, I gotta wonder what happened to them. That's not natural. It doesn't just come naturally that a child would want to hurt somebody so bad they'd wanna kill them or see them in that situation. So we gotta remember how far back do we go? You know, we deal with the hurt. I would say if we're still dealing with hurt, as a psychiatrist, I always say, come talk to somebody, you know, and and it's good to bounce things off of somebody. But what we can uh, confess is if I still have unforgiveness in my heart, if I haven't been able to forgive somebody for something drastic like that, it's understandable. You know, I'm not going to sit here and and pretend to tell somebody, oh, you just got to let that go bounce that off. You know, you let that roll off your back. I don't know. I wasn't there. You know, and this is where every individual person has to look at that. How far back do we go? How far back do we confess? I think it's good to confess anything that's heavy on our heart Mm -hmm. and where we Mm -hmm. and confess it once because we're already feeling it heavy. Just because we confess something doesn't mean it's going to feel good afterwards. Mm -hmm. It doesn't (laughs) mean that's not going to linger for that thing because it's just like in any therapy session. I tell somebody, you know, you've forgiven somebody, you moved on, you have your own family, things of that nature. But pain still carry, you know, we carry wounds sometimes. And this is where we ask Christ to heal our wounds. This is where in spiritual warfare, we talk about father wounds, mother wounds. Why do we talk about this? Because it affects us beyond the moment. And so what we've got to remember to answer your question, there is no really good answer. I would say when we do a good examination, this is why I do I like to do the examination of conscience and rely on our lady and rely on Christ and do a novena because I can really see what my sins, I can separate what are my sins mm-hmm. versus what am I hurt about? you know and those th- those things can kind of blur that's why when i did that i'm telling you when i did that uh, confession and i had prepared adequately it was a beautiful experience mm-hmm. I, you know i thought i was confessing the worst of the worst but uh, it was a beautiful experience but what do you think Trish
1: no i think um i i love that um that tool you gave us about the um the novena um, I need to write that down. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, personally for me, um, I did not have an ideal childhood. Um, in many ways, it was better than so many other people. But um, there were there were things that took place that definitely, um, um, looking back, the way I processed it or the way I... Um, you know, went through it in later years, um, sure. adolescent and stuff like that. There were, there were things that, um, you know, I did that I feel like, gosh, I probably should confess those, even though it was a reaction or it was a coping mechanism or something. It was something having to do with what happened when I was really, really, really little, Well, I guess, but the truth
0: is this, I think that it's perfectly fair to go to confession and say, Father, I feel guilty about this. Mm -hmm. And then the real question is, how can I make amends about it? Because if I feel like I've done, I've I've wronged somebody or done something wrong, I want to make amends for it. Mm -hmm. The real question is, how do I make amends for it? There's the reality is sometimes I can't. You know, sometimes, sometimes relationships are either uh, failed, or the other person's not going to understand, or it's going to mm-hmm. be too painful to bring up something from mm-hmm. from really far back. So sometimes making amends for it means I'm gonna I'm gonna have a mass set for somebody, mm-hmm. or, and they don't even know it. You know, I did this, but I'm gonna do something for them that they're not aware of. I'm gonna try to say a kind word to them. Um, mm-hmm. I'm gonna try to make somebody's life better mm-hmm. uh, in a way without really saying I'm sorry or this happened because that might it might just muddy the waters. A mm-hmm. lot. It depending mm-hmm. on each individual case. But this is where you know mm-hmm. if I can, I'm gonna I'm gonna drop off a fly at somebody's doorstep and just say, you know, you're a great person. They might not even know it's for me, you know, but just leave it at that. I make their day better. Mm-hmm. and try to make amends for it. Now, what's really hard and what I find admirable, sometimes people will do that for their abusers. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll say, you know, I forgive you and I let that go. And boy, what that, that takes a lot of courage. I don't know that I could do that. It depends on the situation. You know, I don't know that I could do it that directly, but I can't say that because I've never, I haven't been in that position right away, you know? So
1: yeah, somebody, um, you know, if, if um, somebody has deeply, deeply hurt you, um, in my own experience, I don't believe I have the opportunity to go to that person and sure. say, I forgive you. Sure. But at a point in my life where I was at a precipice, mm-hmm. um, I had to. I literally had to make the decision that I was going to forgive that person to move on. Because I was, I was frozen in that position for so long and it was so destructive to my relationships and, um, and to my own happiness. And I decided at that moment, okay, I'm going to decide to be happy now. And I don't know, a lot of people can't do that. They, they simply cannot decide to be happy because they don't understand.
0: That's a great point. That's a great point. Because sometimes at the end of the day, we have to ask ourselves, do I want to be happy or do I want to be Right you know, no, I'm right. No, I'm right. Well, we can say that, but at the end of the day, if I can forgive the person, I might be right. You know, mm-hmm. but if I don't forgive the person, I'm I'm never going to be happy. This is what right. I think Christ taught us. He forgives everything from us. He can say, he can hold everything against us All and it's 100% his right to do that. But how how much strength does that take? Boy, I got to tell you, that that's powerful right there that you were able to do that. It's not easy because it actually hurts while you're doing that.
1: Yeah, I mean, and in, in even... Being judged for doing that sure. from family members sure. who are like, sure, you should have done this, 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 and sure. this, and you should have done it sooner. And I sure. guess that's part of the guilt, you know, having yeah. um, guilt for not uh, confronting and dealing with it sooner. But I
0: think we're not always there. I think that we have to, you know, life gives us a timeline. And I think that the more we can prepare the better, but we don't also, I can't judge you for how deep that hurt was. Mm -hmm. I can't judge you for, you know, not being ready for that. You know, and that reminds me of another story. Can I share another story, another confessional story? (laughs) Because this reminds me of another story. You gave me a great segue, you know, and the the gist of the story is you are a beloved child of God. Mm. that's what it can that's the gist of the story you know i was talking to a friend of mine one time she was not feeling good and she was just down and she was in a position kind of like what you're mentioning i don't know all the details of your life and i don't know the details of everybody's life but she was very much in a hurtful in, in a place where she felt hurt she felt that she had really done something wrong to her family members or something where there was everybody was against her everybody was just against her she did not know how to get out of this she did not feel good about herself and all i told her there was i said you know you're a beloved child of god and so regardless of what anybody else is saying regardless of what being thrown at you or spewed at you. You got to remember that God is still holding you in his hand. You are a beloved child of God. Now, here's the interesting thing. Here's a twist to the story. I go to confession afterwards. Okay. And this is a general confession. I didn't, uh, not general confession, but I just went to confession. I can't say I prepared as deeply as I did for the other one. Cause I it was just kind of a, one of my, one of the com- times I just go, I got to get to confession. I haven't done that. Fine. But I get there and you know what, one, what I realized was I get there, I do the confession and as the pre- right before the priest gives me absolution, this is where I know that Christ is watching, listening, and with us at all times. The priest says, you are a beloved child of God. Mm. Where did he get that from? This came out of nowhere. I had just talked to her about this. But you know what's funny? I I was telling her that I didn't exactly believe it for myself. You know, what's interesting. I'm telling her I'm helping her, but I'm thinking, gosh, you know, she really needs help. But in my heart, I wasn't feeling that way myself. Mm -hmm. Another time I cried like a baby in confession. (laughs) Those are the only two times I got to say that I, that I can remember crying because where did that come out of? This is where Christ is really speaking to us in confession. This is where the healing takes place. I know we're almost out of time here. The the clock's ticking, but what I want to remind our listeners is that you are a beloved child of God. Mm. The prescription for today is this number one, Pray for your priest who's gonna do your confession. Pray for your priest who's gonna listen to your confession. Pray that they have their heart in a good place. Number two is really prepare. Ask Our Lady, it worked for me, I think it's always gonna work. Ask Our Lady to come into our hearts, to heal those wounds, and to really see what's the difference between what are my sins and what are things that I need to process for myself that are just part of life. Big differences, because I don't wanna keep confessing the same things over and over. And number three, if I am confessing the same sins over and over, I gotta I gotta come up with a battle plan. Got to yeah. make my own battle plan. So at least I have the plan. I'm not saying I'm gonna be able to follow to a T, but at least I have the plan. Trish, thank you so much for being <laughs> with us today.
1: <laughs> thank it's you. It's been a pleasure. Thank I you. hope that
0: you become a regular on our shows and come about more to- <laughs> talk about more topics, okay? All right, and to our listeners, we'll
1: do that. please listen,
0: please keep listening to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. It's always a pleasure to be with you guys here on the airwaves, talking about the most important thing we can talk about, our Catholic faith. I hope we get Woo-hoo! more excited about it, and I hope to bring you more exciting shows as time goes on. Until next time, we'll see you at the clinic.